You are now, now tuned into Progressive Action Radio, the most objective show in America. Hosted by Tramel Thompson, co-hosted by Jamel Wilson, and DJ Damage is on the wheels of steel. You will never know what to expect when thoughts and wisdom unite. People! Get ready. 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 Progressive action is now live. We're talking about a a job that has dangers. We're going to save that for later. What's going on, cuz? I'm chilling. What's good? No, I'm I'm happy to be here. It's normal, man. What's going on with you? Of course. I'm doing good, man. Like I said, we ate some wings. We had a drink before I came here. I'm on vacation this week, so I'm I'm great. Okay, okay, okay. You know, things is always going on. You know, we have seven days in between shows all the time, and things always going on with with these guys. (laughs) You know, um, Willie Rivera... The uh, the 18-year veteran who seemed to accomplish nothing during his whole tenure here always seemed to talk down on people and, and, and you know, try to condescend. Is he still calling the people trannies? Um, some similar to that. But, you know, he attacked me saying, oh, you ain't no bus driver. You don't know what's going on. But the bus drivers who are questioning him, <laughs> he attacking them also. So this is a guy who don't like to be questioned. This is a guy who thinks he's ruling by iron fist. I don't know what kind of guy he is, but when he see me, he gonna have to answer to me. That's how I see it. Of course. You know what I mean? You gotta watch your mouth the, when you, the way you talking to some people. Everybody not gonna go for that. But we ain't gonna hold up our guests no, today because we ain't get to everything that we wanted to get to the last show. No, we didn't. We sure didn't. But what I would like to do is I would like to introduce our guests Tonight on the Progressive Action Show, we have Mr. Harry Wills, again, for part two, from TA Surface, uh, a back, back to bring all, all the information that couldn't be brought out in the first show. Okay, so basically this is going to be real special tonight. So I hope everybody's listening. I hope everybody is, gonna, is ready to comprehend what's going on because this is factual and this is serious information. So without further ado... I'm going to introduce Mr. Wills. How you feeling, Harry? I'm doing great, brothers. Thank you again for having me on the show. Um, glad to be back. Well, it's a pleasure having you here. Trust me, a real pleasure. <laughs> now, I, I want to hit this off with a, with a home run, because last show, we didn't really talk about it. We talked about it, but we didn't really talk about it with Sam Yusin and him using race relations. Certain, no, blacks, he sent blacks to deal with blacks or whatever the case is. So can we say, I want you to explain you know what I'm talking about, right, Harry? Yeah, uh, the job that they offered me to, in order to drop off of the slate in October was basically a job uh, going to some bus company. I think he said it was in Jersey to where uh, I was supposed to go out there and to get the black, um, the black uh, so-called members of that, uh, of that company to come and join Local 100, which I took as an insult, really, because, again, you're telling me you have a the, the company was predominantly made up of uh, black and Hispanics, and you're going to send a Hispanic over there for the Hispanics, and you want to send a black man over there for the blacks. And this was this is factual. Yes, that's the job that he offered me back in. Uh, matter of fact, it was uh, Columbus Day. <laughs> With a date, right? Yeah. yeah so, so exactly. we could, so we could say, according to to your statement, that Samuelson could be racist. I mean, I, 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 again, I just look at what what. Um, 
what what has transpired and 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 looking at certain people and jobs that was off to certain people and the way he's been buying these elections um you you can say that um i don't want to uh like i said you you can say that because there's been some issues with some of the things that he's done that can be you know that can give people the than people to uh, to believe that the impression okay yes that well, impression, do you yes. do you think he care about the membership as a whole oh no not at all not oh, at all so it, it don't that wouldn't that wouldn't have anything to do with race yeah well possibly I mean yeah because you know most yeah. of the membership is African American of course you know and people do look at the thing as a whole you know what I'm saying so you know this guy this guy we ain't have Samuelson talking a long time I'm excited to talk about Samuelson this show yeah definitely I'm definitely excited to hear about Samuelson. You know, because he is the he is the local president, and he is the international uh, vice president. Yeah. You know, and, and for those who's watching live, I I I could hold it up, but you probably can't see it. Pardon me, probably can't see it. But Mr. Wills brought in some documents of the properties that we was we we could have got that was way better than 195 Montague Street, purchasing uh, two and a half floors for 30 million dollars. Um, Harry, you want to talk about these properties? Yeah, there was uh, several properties. The original property that we actually were in the midst of uh, doing a deal on was the three properties on um, on Skimmerhorn Street. The addresses were 350 Skimmerhorn Street, uh, 6264 Flatbush Avenue, and also, uh, what was the other one? The old uh, 345 Skimmerhorn Street. And we were getting all three of those properties for... Um, Thirty million dollars, which basically what would have transpired in that deal if we had gotten gotten it done, which it was pretty actually was done, and the international was the ones that shot it down. Now I had a humongous problem with that issue uh, of them shooting it down because um, Jim Little and and Gordon, who was the secretary of treasurer of the international, had actually came to New York, and we gave them a tour of the property. So they. We talked about it. I told them what the plan was. They knew in the beginning that we were going to only occupy the uh, 350 Skimhorn property and that we were going to develop the other two properties and then move into those properties once it was developed. They allowed us to um, invest uh, about $40,000 in due diligence before they shot it down. And once they shot it down, um, I, my reply to, to President Samson at the time was, let's take a ride down to Washington, D.C., because I believe that I was going to be able to change uh, Little's mind because the fact of the matter is, like I said, you knew what we were going to do with that property. At that point in time, when you came up to New York, you could have told us then that we couldn't have the property as opposed to waiting, you know, waiting for the local to waste uh, $40,000 on due diligence. Okay. So, but you know Joe Loda said that Samuelson is a hot, he, he don't know how to negotiate anything, no contracts or whatever the case is. So it was better that you go down there and speak to people and try to get things moving. But you mentioned something very important. You said three properties for $30 million. Yes, it was three properties for $30 million, but that wasn't the only properties that we looked at. We looked at uh, 540 Atlantic Avenue, which um, there were some issues in the beginning because there were some cracks in the, uh, on, I think it was the second floor, and um, we thought it was some foundation issues, but later found out that it wasn't foundations. It was just a, poor, a bad pour with the uh, concrete that was done on the second floor because the owner of the property actually dug up the footings so uh, they could be looked at. So it, it found out that there wasn't uh, a foundation problem with that property. We also looked at something in Queens, which was the old Verizon building 
on 160, I think it was 168th Street and Hillside Avenue, which that property was totally vacated. It was already wired uh, by Verizon because it was over Verizon um, telephone company. It had a, a payment center on uh, on a corner, which basically you could have had MCU come in if you had got that property for the union. You could have had MCU come in and uh, had a bank there, so that would have been great for the membership, not to mention it had parking, and it also had its own generator. So if there was a blackout or anything, we would have been, been fully good. covered. Right? Oh, we would have wow. been, been good. Right, yeah. and the F train is right, and the F train's on the next block. Correct. I know, now, I know that street real well. Exactly. Now, there was another property that we looked at because at that time, President Samuelson decided on that he wanted to have um, the Union Hall, as he say, in the neighborhood. So we looked at a property on Gates Avenue between um, Broadway and Ralph Avenue. Oh, that's that's my block. None, they would have been barred talking that stuff. That's, that's right by the church. That's right yeah, yeah. by uh, Pilgrim Church. Pilgrim Church. They, right. They would have been barred. So it was uh, seven seven stories. Uh, the building was comp just built. Uh, probably parking on the second floor for maybe about fifty cars. Uh, the guy would have built the building any way that we wanted, and the price on that building was about $14 million, which, again, at that time, I think what was in the bank was about $24 million from the building fund. So you still had some money that would have been left over for renovations, and, again, it would have been great. Um, but, again, uh, certain entities in the union uh, decided that they didn't want a union uh, hall in the neighborhood. And it, was, it would have been great because it would have anchored Local 100 would have moved into that, that area, and it would have been a great anchor to bring other businesses and other jobs into that area. But, of course, again, it didn't happen because other, certain entities thought it was better for us to be in downtown Brooklyn than it would have been for us to be in the hood. Yeah, I mean, um, just looking at this, this, this booklet that you gave me, it just seemed like just looking is it, 195 Montague was a horrible deal. And we wouldn't have known that Nick Bedell friend was a part of the 195 deal until you said something. Right. And, and again, I didn't find that out. I found that out from somebody in stations who now, which I found amazing uh, when we did the last show, people were talking about, you know, what I was saying. And, and, and uh, I didn't say this in front of the e-board. First of all, when the e-board went down to look at 195 Montague Street, I wasn't there. Because at that point, we did a tour uh, first with the vice presidents. And after we did that tour with the vice presidents, we all went downstairs and uh, uh, John asked everybody, Samson asked everybody, what did they think? Everybody sat there quiet. I was the only one that spoke up and said, I thought it was a total waste of the members' money, which it was. Because two and a half floors at the type of money that you were talking about spending was ridiculous. Also, we uh, there was looking to buy a building on the corner of Montague Street prior to that, uh, which is the, I think it's a TD Bank building. I think I spoke about that yeah, the yeah. last time I was here. And they tried to, uh, that building, with the with the owner wanted for it, it definitely wasn't worth it because you couldn't even get it appraised for the $50 million that he wanted for it. And they, they just purchased that property a year before for $38 million. Now, one of the e-board members, again, was talking, I can't remember, recall the guy's name, was talking about how um, I didn't say this and I didn't say that. In my opinion, if you had an ounce of sense, you would have looked at that property and you would have known that it wasn't worth the money that it was. But unfortunately, with this e-board, 
that we have, I think they would indict a ham sandwich, and you could ask Jack DeSena about that. <laughs> so um, <laughs> to sit there and talk about what I didn't talk about and what I didn't say and what I didn't say to the e-board. Again, when the e-board did a tour of 195 Montague Street, I wasn't there. But you would think if you had the best, if you had the members' best interests at heart, there's no way in the world that you would have uh, gave the okay to buy that property, again, without any numbers being given to you whatsoever. But the e-board... Would you say at that time was uh, Samuelson supporters? Oh, yeah, of course. They still are. But, uh, and again, you're talking about an e-board that uh, decided to send a contract out to the membership without, uh, with an increase in the health care benefits without it being cost out. So you're talking about nobody knew. If, you, if anybody here remembers or anybody listening remember, when we got a, a figure of what this contract was worth, it was quoted, I believe, from the New York Times. It wasn't a quote from the, from the union itself because we never hired an actuary to cost anything out. Hmm. So uh, it was the papers that decided on what the value of that contract was, not uh, anybody in Local 100. So when you're sitting around and, you, and you're quoting the media on what the value of your contract is, that's just state of a problem right there. But then the same e-board that, and the same person, I can't recall the guy's name, that talked about it, you decided to vote in favor of sending this contract to the membership, and you had no idea what the cost of the mem- what the cost of the contract was, or what the cost of the increase in the HBT was, or why the MTA even needed an increase in the in the uh, HBT. Yeah, the media um, claims that our contract was worth six hundred million dollars. Correct. That was was it the Post or the Daily News? That was Post. I one of the three major newspapers. But the fact that you're quoting. A newspaper, the fact that you didn't have those figures yourself basically should tell you that when the governor gave you this contract, gave you this contract, that that should have been issued. The fact that you yourself didn't even know what it was worth, but you accepted it, sent it to the e-board, and the e-board voted in favor of sending this contract to the membership. Yeah, I mean, because I just find that, you know, Pete Donahue is Samuelson's friend, of course, mm-hmm. and he works for the Daily News. So maybe he had an inside to break the story if it went to the Daily News first? Well, you know, um, the contract was, like I said, no matter what, the contract, the Cuomo contract, was sold hard because of the $6 million. Right. Okay, so you had the $6 million plus the sale of the Gil Martin houses, the $17.2 million. Where's that money? I have no idea. I couldn't. I could not tell you where that money is. Again, that was... Uh, so the Gill Mountain Houses were sold uh, a year or so after I had left. So, and again, that's the biggest problem that Samuelson has on his hands. When you buy people the way that he's been buying hired help like that, nobody's going to tell you when you're doing anything wrong or they're going to speak up against what you're doing because they want to keep their jobs. So nobody speaks out against it. Right. Yeah, I got it. No, no. Oh, I no, because I... I how you make $17.2 million disappear? True. <laughs> you True. know what I'm saying? True. And, and again, I mean, we need, that was one of the things that we ran on with Take Back Our Union on the Samuelson when, we, when I ran with John, is that we were going to be more transparent. We were supposed to be open and, and let the membership know. Um, one of the things that the members and, and the, uh, the people at the union need to understand, this is like uh, uh, the, the Union rep, the, uh, the members are, are shareholders. We pay our dues. We have the right to know everything. Mm-hmm. There should be no secrets. Mm-hmm. The financial agreements, I mean, again, if you look at what goes on at these e-board meetings, 
They only last about a couple hours, which is something else that I want to talk about. They last a couple of hours. They're given financial statements, but there's no real talk about it. But then these same e-board members whose job it is to look out for the membership, not look out for John's best interest, they vote and they accept these, these financial agreements, uh, these financial statements without, again, why me as a member, as a dues paying member in good standing, don't know what the financial standings of my union is? I mean, I have every right to know that, but then you tell me, number one, I can't come to the to the e-board meetings, and number two, I have I, I can't get these things. And then some of them, when they were given out, um, when some of the the, the uh, e-board members were giving them to the members and they was bringing them out, they would take they were given to them at the e-board member at the e-board meetings, and then it was taken away from them. So they then that way the members couldn't see what the finances were. Can can the can e-board members take notes? Sure they can. And, and hand it out to the members on their own? Sure they can. But I think, I, in my opinion, I don't even think that's necessary. I think that every, I think that the, the recording secretary's uh, office, whose job it is to basically organize the e-board meetings, that should be the person that should be sending this information out to the members, along with every vote that was taken and how each e-board member voted. Yeah, because they do that in regular government. Exactly. So, I mean, again, if I if I have an e-board member that's representing me, I want to know how they're voting. Because, if, number one, biggest problem is this. I've never had an e-board member come out and say, this is on the agenda. How do you want me to vote? Now, what's wrong with that? That's the way it should be. That's the way it's supposed to be. But it's not. But who explains uh, that to the e-board members? Because we had Shauna Robinson on the show. She's a new e-board member. Right, I heard and, the show. Yeah, and she don't really know. Right. You know what I'm saying? So who explained, like, she won, we get that, but now she don't really know how to conduct herself as an e-board member. Right, because there's no training. It's like you get on the job and you're expected, you get on the e-board, you sit there at the e-board meetings, and you're expected to vote the way they tell you to vote, not vote the way that you feel like you should vote that's in the best interest of the membership. Yeah, I, I don't think that she would do that. I think that she... Uh, um vote in the best interest of the membership. Right. But see, her problem is, is again, is that she's not aware and no one is trying to make her aware of how it works and what's supposed to happen and what should go on at these e-board meetings. The fact, like she spoke about, that they're, um, they get released for the entire day. The e-board lasts probably, as she said, approximately about two hours. So what are they doing for the rest of the day? Mm -hmm. See, well, now she know because you told her. Mm -hmm. what, what do they do for the rest of the day? Exactly. And, and that's the goal. That's the same thing to be said about people that's on staff. When I was on, when I first got elected to vice chair and the TA surface department, there was only two of us that was released at the time and transportation. That was Lloyd Archer and myself. We had to hire, we had to handle all of the meetings, whether it was workers comp, whether it was discipline, whether it was grievance, whether it was contract, no matter what the hearing was, we had to handle it. We had to go out, we gave out there, we went out there and gave shop gates. As a matter of fact, we used to give shop gates at every depot probably twice a month at every location. So the members always knew what was going on and we knew what was going on with them because not only did we sit there and talk to them, we listened to them also. Now again, in TA Surface, you probably have something like maybe 10 people released in TA Surface. And I asked the question again, what are they doing all day long? You probably only have uh, maybe one day of arbitration hearings and any other hearings that may go on like contract or, or grievance or whatever the case may be. Now you have an attorney who's handling those hearings also, 
But what are these other people doing for the rest of the day? They're on Facebook. Right. That's Ex- all I'm going to say. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're on Facebook. And mm-hmm. I think the members should be outraged that so much of their money is being wasted on that, that um, these pe- so many people are released and you're doing uh, less with more people where before you had to do more with less people. Let me ask you something. You know anything about this uh, three audio thing? Yeah. Um, that's something that I believe that was in the contract already. And um, I, I just found out recently, I think uh, Jamel told me about it, that they, uh, the reason that this came about is because a grievance was filed and we lost the grievance. Now, I'm still trying to figure out why would you file a grievance on that? I mean, that's where your negotiating skills, because even if management wanted to change it, they, um, they still need members to work. Because, again, you don't have people that put in for overtime every week all the time. So you still need members to work. So if that's something that's already, that's already been, that you've been doing it and you had it already, so you got past practice on your side already. So therefore you should have spoke to somebody in management about that as opposed to filing a grievance. Because once you file a grievance and now you lost it, now it's set in stone. You think that um, it was put in the contract basic, uh, probably for part-timers when they plan on bringing them on? No, I think it was, it was, it was put in there before that. Okay. No, no, I'm talking about for the future because you don't want people to work so many audios, but then you have a needs for service. Who's going to be working these third audios? Are you, uh, is management telling us that officially that part-timers may be coming on? Because why they decide now to enforce it? Because I think management is preparing for the contract fight. That uh-huh. they, they understand, and that's one thing about them. When they start making plans, they make plans for tomorrow. When mm-hmm. we make plans... The union makes plans for today, mm-hmm. and that's the biggest difference. I like to give the analogy of that the MTA is down by the Florida Keys, and we still haven't left Maine yet. So <laughs> that's that's the difference of, mm-hmm. of how far ahead, because they plan like that. Everything that they do is for the future, where we're still doing stuff that, that that's for today. I think even, <clears throat> I don't know if you heard, but I played the sound bite with Sam Houston saying that he's going to start the negotiations in November. That's that's that could be cool, but when do you start organizing the members? Right, and 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 by the bylaws, that's when he's supposed to start them. But like you said, when do you start uh, organizing the members? Let's take a look at this. You're talking about in a contract year. A contract ends in January of next year. Why would you cancel summer meetings? Why would any division be allowed to cancel summer meetings? Because y'all going to be on vacation, you should be organizing now. So that means that you cancel meetings for September. I mean, for uh, July and, and and August. So that means that you won't actually start organizing in September till September, which means that you're going to start negotiating in November. So two months of neg- of organizing. Come on. Well, basically, I mean, according to him in the soundbite. He's been organizing the mobilizers for, for the past seven years. <laughs> so basically, we're already organized already. Okay, I we're just ready. You know, we're just ready to go out. That's all. That's all it is. First of all, that sound <laughs> that sound bite uh, says a lot in itself. The fact of the matter is that you're saying now that you're going to make a deadline. A deadline. Oh, excuse me. Let me start off correctly. You're going to do things differently. Right. You're going to make a deadline. A deadline. Why wasn't a deadline a deadline before? Right. Why is it a deadline a deadline now? Um, what's, what's, what's changed that all of a sudden now you want to change? Because according to you, that last contract, everything was so perfect. 
everything was perfect. Right. So why would you change now? It seems to me if everything was perfect, you would do it all the same thing all over again. Exactly. And then he said, do it differently as if it's something totally out of the ordinary from the way TWU always was. No. Because that's the way TWU always was. Right. TWU Local 100 was always about the deadline being the deadline. Because each and every other president was prepared to negotiate. This president was prepared to stall until after the elections of the international. For the listeners who never heard the sound bite, I'm going to play Samuelson part so y'all can hear the foolishness that this guy is saying. Listen up. Job that has dangers. And I don't think that's uh, realized sometimes in negotiations. Um, and what's going to be your different approach this time around? Right. So this time around, the organization that we have on the ground uh, among rank and file transit workers is much stronger than it was. Uh, in 2012, uh, we have uh, been doing a lot of organizing uh, in the seven years that I've been president, both internal organizing and external organizing. Uh, we have no intention uh, in, of, in this round of bargaining of making any kind of public pronouncement that there won't be a strike deadline set. Uh, we're going to go back to the more traditional Transport Workers Union Local 100 model of establishing a deadline. That'll that'll be. That, that deadline will be the product of a discussion with our executive board, which hasn't happened yet. The negotiations won't begin until November, but we do expect it to be a very different type of negotiation. What do you think about that, Harry? Well, first of all, if you heard that little giggle that he gave, uh, which is a, tell, is a telltale sign. Yeah, it's a sta- I, I mentioned right. that statement, and, statement analysis. He was right. lying. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a telltale sign when somebody's lying when somebody does that little giggle. But, um, again, the only thing that's going to change, you weren't, you didn't want to negotiate a contract because, again, you didn't want to bring back a bad contract because you felt like that was going to hamper your chances of getting elected into the international. So, yeah, yeah, I guess it will be different because maybe now you feel like that because you already won the local 100 election, your chances of getting elected back into the international next year are excellent because you still have the same people, which we pretty much dominate the uh, international board. So you got to figure that... um, that they, you know, his chances of getting reelected into his position again are excellent. So maybe that's why now he's saying things will be different. Now, he said also that we are stronger. How are we stronger? I couldn't tell you because I have not seen any organizing. I have not seen uh, people out in the field preparing our membership. Um, if he's talking about shop steward classes as a way of organizing, that's not a way of organizing. The way that you organize, in my opinion, is that you inform every member. You give every member the knowledge that they need to operate. Every member out there should be able to write a grievance. And both of y'all have been through the shop steward programs. And like you said, uh, writing grievances is something that you was never you was never taught. No. And Nick Bedell, his answer to that was, well, uh, you got to come to part two. Well, why give a certificate in part one? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Why give the certificate in part one? Exactly. And there, was there ever a part two? Maybe that part two came because I, I was complaining, like, what's really going on here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's, that's, all that could be handled in part part uh, one. It should be one part. It should be one part. It should exactly. be one part. You know exactly. what I'm saying? You wait, in one breath, they say, oh, you know, we don't want to waste people's time. But then you got people's attention. They coming. You wasting their time just to tell them that it's going to be a part two. Right. And the fact of the matter is, is that they term it as a waste of time. Okay, that's the thing that kills me is that you would term it as an educator, that you would term teaching someone a waste of time is 
really says something about the person that's doing the teaching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, basically, it's not a waste of time if a member wanted to come there and sign up for it, okay? Right, right. And then also, those shop store classes should be longer. It should be, you know, because basically from the gate, it was like, okay, if you miss two classes, you'll still be good. You'll still get the certificate, okay? And then another thing is, you know, you're there for three hours. That shit should be five hours. And let me tell exactly. you something else that he, do, that he did that I found out. Let's just say you see the class that we was a part of. Right. Let's say we didn't finish and we only did three classes and a new shop steward class come. Oh, just come um, to one more class and you get your certificate. Wow. You know what wow. I'm saying? It's not even what you miss. It's not nothing. It's all about attendance. Right. So if that's, if that's what you call organizing, um, that's not organizing. And I'm still trying to figure out what's the external organizing that he was doing. Exactly what does that mean? Uh, external organizing, um, well, maybe pedicab and and and, and bike share and nah, and, he, and, and 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 those computer analysts. He was he was organizing to get on the uh, the board with Cuomo. Oh, okay, that's what he was organizing. <laughs> okay. Well, well, uh, again, that's a position that John has seeked, and he's wanted that position ever since he became president. Uh, he lobbied um, Patterson for that position, and he didn't get it. Uh, that was something that he's always wanted. And finally, I guess because of uh, his deal with Governor Cuomo, he finally got what he wanted. Yeah, because Cuomo nominated, nominated him for the right, position. Right. And, and basically, it's a non-voting position. Um, what quite a few of the enemies that he's made on the board by calling everybody elitist, if you, if you read some of his past um, newspaper clippings, Everybody's an elitist, and 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 you know that you can't get them to agree with you. But the problem is, if you don't make proper preparation, uh, to date we still do not have any leverage that we can go to the table with. And and you're talking about a strike, and a deadline is a deadline. Again, what's different now than it was in 2012? I mean, he's he hasn't from that clap I, that clip. I didn't hear any explanation on what's different. Why all of a sudden now you, you, a deadline is a deadline. Is it going to be tough for this time around? Uh, did you uh, uh, write all of your checks to Cuomo that you owed him? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what's different now than 2012 that now all of a sudden you want to take this tough stance that I'm quite sure everybody in Albany is laughing at you. I mean, our political clout sucks. It's horrible. I mean, you, you uh, look at, as a matter of fact, let's look at the... Um, the last election with them endorsing Espiot over, um, over again, probably uh, uh, Keith Wright, who was probably backed by um, Charlie Rangel. Charlie Rangel. Yeah. So, again, Keith Wright is still up in Albany, okay? You already had pissed off Keith Wright before when you endorsed Espiot over Charlie Rangel. And when we first endorsed Espiot over Charlie Rangel, Rangel came in here. Everybody came into the union. Uh, we did an interview with everyone, and it was already decided that they was going to do uh, SPI over Wrangell. And my reply to John was, you got to think about the cause and effect of endorsing SPI over Wrangell. Because endorsing SPI over Wrangell hurts you in two places. It hurts you in Washington, D.C., and it also hurts you in, in Albany because Wrangell has a lot of friends. Now, according to John, he was saying that, well, Charlie Rangel never did anything for Local 100. And I said, well, I seem to remember when, which is Mr. Sylvester Brown agree with this, when they were doing the Take Back Our Union, or not the Take Back Our Union, the, um, when he was trying to get the funding for the MTA. Uh, anyway, uh, Charlie Rangel was there with, 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 with uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson. He was there at our rallies. He was at several 
of our rally. So to sit up there and say that Charlie Rangel never did anything for Local 100, maybe the reason that Charlie Rangel never did anything for Local 100 is because you didn't ask him to do anything mm -hmm. for Local 100. You never made any request. You never went down. With, and, and the times that you went down to Washington, who did you ever see down in Washington? Before they, um, before they got, I think it was Loda, either Loda or Walder, I believe it was Loda, before he was hired, um, Gillibrand uh, sent a message asking, well, have John call me to say, who would he like to see, or maybe I can push in that direction. The phone call was never made to Gillibrand. It was never made. So you have a president who has not reached out to the politicians the way that he should reach out to them, who has no rapport with the politicians the way that he should have a rapport with, you know, as a president of a local, of a major local in this city. Yeah. Would you trust Samuelson to strike? I don't think he will because, if, first of all, it's too soon. I mean, if you think about the time period that we have between our strikes, and I think you haven't gained the confidence of the membership to, to do anything like that. So you, you really need to stop with the rhetoric, start planning, start uh, trying to get some. Actually, you should have done this a long time ago. When you're sitting up there making deals with Governor Cuomo, you should have been plotting and planning then, and that was something that you didn't do. Now you're going to wait the year before, and then now you're going to start it. We spent, in 2010, when John first got elected, we spent more time trying to put money into the MTA coffers than we did anything else. And one of the biggest problems that we had with that is that you're going to give them the money just like he did with, 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 um, with de Blasio. You, you pushed, you did, you did Cuomo's bidding to get more bidding, uh, to get more uh, funding from the uh, city for capital programs. And then you turned around and you sent the MTA pension to arbitration. Mm -hmm. Now, you needed that money to come from de Blasio for their pension to bring them up to our standards. But what did you do? You did Cuomo's bidding. You got millions and millions of dollars to go into the capital program, not the operation program, because capital program, that money, you can't use that money for, um, for, for uh, pay, for salaries. So what you should have been doing was trying to get money into the operation budget, not the capital budget. Mm, 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 mm. That's, mm. Why, that's why I don't understand, like, Harry come up here with all this knowledge. I can't see Samuelson coming up here talking the same thing. No, I don't see it either. And, and honestly, when I listen to that sound bite that's played, I think it's scripted. Yeah, it is. Because he answered too quick. Mm -hmm. I don't see him being that, that witty after me watching his other interviews. Basically, that's exactly how, just like how he sounded in that sound bite, that's how he would sound up here at Progressive Action. He'll be nervous, though. Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll be nervous, yes, of and, course. And people are going to be pissed because of what I'm saying, and I don't give a damn because my thing is it's time for the members to wake up. It's time for them to understand what's going on. No more, I would say, the old um, 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 Detroit, uh, what's the name, cop thing. No more banana in the tailpipe falling oh. for the banana in the tailpipe. Beverly Hills. Yeah, Beverly Hills cop, No more falling for the banana in the tailpipe. The members need to understand, and they need to know, and they need to be educated on what truly goes on, because then that way, the uh, Willie Rivera's, the John Samuelson's, the, the Richie Davis's, and the rest of these cats can't come out there and tell the members anything. Because again, if they want to keep, the reason, there's a very good reason for them keeping you in the dark and not enlightening you on how things work, how uh, negotiation works. Why not 
um, have a few members come in and sit down during the contract negotiations so they can see what's going on. So then they can look in the MTA eyes when the MTA is telling them that y'all are not worth anything. You know, if y'all want to raise, y'all gonna have to give up something in order to give it. Who's allowed into those uh, discussions? I think anybody that the union wants in there. That's that's interesting. I wonder if Nick Bedell will be in there. I because because what you <laughs> I won't, wait, I'm gonna back up for a second. Um, Jay Walder. President of the City Bike. Local 100 now represent the bike share program. What do you think about that? I think that we should have went after other things. But again, as, as it was mentioned before, um, you have bike shares in Washington and, and Chicago. If you wanted to organize them, then that should have been done by the international. They should have been put under their own local as opposed to being put under local 100. Because again, uh, the type of money that you're going to have to spend to represent these people, uh, where does that money come from? It's going to come from the MTA coffers because you're not getting enough union dues from them in order to to uh, represent them properly the way that you need to represent them. Yeah, I, it, it was mentioned that he probably just got them, especially in different cities. So whoever running against them. You can't they, reach them. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't, can't reach them. You can't reach them. And that was something that I spoke about the last time about how you have people paying local 100 dues, i.e. Nick Bedell. Um, you have people that never worked for the MTA or New York City Transit who are paying local 100 dues. At one point, I'm not sure if you still have people down in the international who are paying local 100 dues. Now, there's no way in the world those people are going to vote for me if I'm the opposition. They're not going to vote for me. Uh, Nick Bedell is not going to vote for me because he has to vote in order to keep his job. Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, how do I get to some to the people out in Washington, D.C. and Chicago? How do I get out there to, to, to campaign for, you know, to campaign uh, for those people and tell them why uh, they should vote for me or my team? Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. And then I was getting into discussion with Nick Bedell the other day. Bike share is not even lucrative year round because once it snow gets super cold, you know, ridership drops. Right. You know what I'm saying? I didn't understand why not get Uber? You got Lyft out there. Right. You got all these other real transportation that could really shut down the city if we decide to step off. That's right. And there's other bus companies out here that you could have went after also. But you chose not to do that. You, you went after the easiest thing right now that you could have possibly did. And um, the fact that, for to understand, he got them, a, I think it was a 20% raise, which they're still below um, the cost of living. So, um, yeah, you got them a 20% raise. It sounds great. It looks great. But when, he, when he's, you know, when they get their paychecks, it's still, they're still behind the eight ball. Yeah. And look at, look at the pedicabs. The demographic of them is mostly African immigrants. Right. Immigrants. They not go complain much. Right. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if they paperwork's right. You don't know what their situation is. They just happy to have a job and the idea of having a union behind them because, the same thing with MTA. People, oh, you got an MTA ATM. They right. thinking you make money. Right. You look at a union. Oh, you part of Local 100. Because people still think Roger is behind the union. He's and we, the are, union, we yeah. is as strong as the union. When we went to talk to the lawyer, the lawyer was like, isn't um, Roger? I said, nah, Roger been gone. Yeah. He was like, wow, so fill me in. And we filled them in. He couldn't believe it. Yeah, I met with Roger uh, uh, Labor Day about two years ago or so it was. We were standing there talking on um, Fulton Street and Nostrand Avenue. And it was amazing the amount of people that still thought, first of all, the, 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 the recognition that he was receiving was tremendous. 
And the fact that those people that was recognizing him, and, and, and quite a few of them weren't even transit workers, that still that knew who Roger Toussaint was, and they thought he was still the president of Local 100. Yeah, matter of fact, Roger had um, met me by my bar one time, and we chilling. When Roger left, a guy was like, is that the MTA guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, you know, a school teacher. I said, what you do? He said, I'm a school teacher. He said, that's the MTA guy though, right? I said, yeah. But it, he's, he's a public figure. A yeah. known face. Like, even when I came to transit, I didn't know who Samuelson was. Right, right. But see, I'm going to tell you something, and, and this is the problem with our union. Politics is the downfall of Local 100. Let me tell you something. If John Samuelson had any sense, when he went to contract negotiations, he would have Roger Toussaint sitting right behind him. Because everybody in the MTA knows the problem between John and Roger. The fact that you would have him sitting behind you, okay, the message that that would send to the MTA would be tremendous. Of course. Okay, and my thing is that if I'm the president of Local 100, I'm having, I would have every former living president sitting at those negotiations because the message that that would send, that would send such a great mes- message of togetherness that we are no longer divided. We are no longer arguing. We are no longer fighting with each other. There's a sense, the sense that that would send, it would send shivers up and down their spine because they know who Roger Toussaint is. And the fact, like I said, that they know that the, the issues, because nothing is private in Local 100, and that's a damn shame <laughs> that nothing is private in Local 100, that mm-hmm. our fights are always um, broadcasted. Now, I have to laugh at Brother Downs because when we were campaigning with uh, Transport Workers United, he kept calling us whiners. Oh, the Transport Workers whiners and this and the other. Now, I recall when he was a member of New Direction, Sonny Hall, Willie James, and everybody else calling him the very same thing. Now, why is it that you think because now you're in office, you don't deserve any criticism when you're doing wrong? It goes with the territory. It goes with the territory. What you should do is sit back, listen to that criticism, accept that criticism, and fix it. If somebody in the know, y'all are not dummies. Y'all are two brothers that are not dummies. So y'all are sitting around telling this administration that there is a problem. You've given them ample opportunities to correct that problem, and what do you receive? Name calling, arguing. Mm-hmm. I mean, your dues paying members, your, good, your members in good standing. Why can I critique? Because, again, the only reason I'm out here publicly is because you're not listening privately. Yeah. Okay? So there's a, we, you, you've been given the opportunity to fix what's wrong, and you refuse to do it. Because, and, and I said this a while ago when Samuelson ran a second time. And I said if he's, if he's given a second term and he didn't do anything in the first term, why would he change? Because in his head, I've been doing everything great, so, and I got reelected. Mm-hmm. So now you got reelected to a third term. Okay, but you're not looking at the fact that during this election, uh, what is it, a little bit more, a little bit less than half of your membership voted? That means 15,000 people, for whatever reason, decided not to cast votes. That's sad. Mm-hmm. That's sad. That means either they don't give a you know what, or either they just decided, or you know, whatever issues there was with the ballot, because there was a lot of issues with the ballots. Okay. So um, you, those are things that need to be fixed. The election rules, the way that they are, excuse me, the way that they're dictated to. When I go in there to speak to somebody at a depot and for a depot chair to have the membership get up and walk out, none of these depot chairs have ever 
led the membership out when the, when management is screwing them over. That's why I find it hilarious when somebody like Tommy uh, McNally or Willie Rivera is telling y'all, why aren't y'all attacking uh, management? What the hell are we paying you for? <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's y'all job but you, to but do you, that. But you know what that is? See, these guys got weak psychology games. It's just like a bully a bully bullying somebody mm-hmm. and the bully beating up on whoever and the kid is saying why don't you go pick on somebody your own size right right you know what i'm saying so they they can't handle us because they've been getting away with murder on facebook attacking people i'm mm-hmm. relentless on facebook so you ain't gonna sit there and say something and think i'm gonna disappear right and and not go fight you back they got like sylvester sylvester brown they got aliases right Attacking members, right? Stephen Chan, Markeith Wolford, right? Ernest you know Jacobs. what I'm saying? Yeah, That's right. they, he 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 got exposed. He got he, I made him delete his account because I exposed him of who he was, and now he over here talking about I ain't telling nobody this. He behind the scenes telling people he looking for me. I said, I right. I hit him up. You looking for me? Why don't you hit me up and let me know that you looking for me? You know what right. I'm saying? Right. His response is. I'm at, I'll be at two Broadway all week. Do I look foolish? That's just like I'm beefing with somebody on the street and they telling me I'm going to be at the precinct all week. Right. Come, come beef right. with me. Right. So, so right. Here, here it is. Right, exactly. Here, here it is. You have a uh, somebody that's on staff. I don't know if he's elected or not. I believe he he's on e-board. He's an e-board member yeah. on stations, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So now you have an e-board meeting, an uh, e-board member, whose job it is to protect your job. Who's telling you to come down to two Broadway, the house of pain that we used to term that place, because that's what it was. That's what it is to our members. How many millions and millions of dollars is being lost? So he's telling you a dues paying member to come down there and confront him at two Broadway in front of cameras, in front of management. So then that way, management could take you out of service. Yeah, exactly. For fighting on and, the and property. And then they, mm-hmm. I look like the aggressor because I came Because you came there. You know what exactly. I'm saying? I'm, I'm like, yo, who raised these guys? Like, that's a clown move. You think I'm going to fall for that? No, I'm not going to. You got the problem because at the end of the day, I ain't know who Stephen Chan was. I thought it was a real person until somebody was like, oh, no, that's an Elias. Because I don't even click on these guys' pictures right. or nothing like that. And he came attacking progressive action, calling us crybabies, whiners, all of them. Stephen Chan, Markeith Wolford, Willie Vivera, McNally. Like, they say, oh, you don't know nothing about buses. All right. I was doing my progressive action thing. Why y'all on me? Right. Now, you know, speaking of racism, too, uh, since I did the last show, I'm, I'm happy to inform y'all that I've been termed a racist by Mr. Tommy McNally. I um, went to my <laughs> old depot and um, mm. one of the uh, brothers of, of the depot ran up to me, and told me, to, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, you're racist. So we're not supposed to talk to you anymore. But he was laughing at the time because, again. I've been at that depot for 20-some-odd years. These people know me. I mean, we grew up together. 20-some-odd years, that's growing up with somebody. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. for you to turn me as a racist because of what I said, and I'm talking about the guy that you support, again, be a man. Be a man. Come to me. Talk to me. Say something to me. I haven't seen McNally since then. I mean, you did, you, did you look down? <laughs> oh wait wait i can't laugh because the last time i laughed at something you said wow. i heard he like five feet like yeah a leprechaun or something leprechaun, like that. yeah yeah I, I got in trouble for laughing at the the last time you said something but funny. you know mcnally is a funny guy man like this guy like i said in, in previous shows he emailed my school trying to get me expelled yeah, well, again <laughs> you're being paid by me my dues money is what's paying you. So you mean to tell me that you're going to call his brother's school 
to tell him that he should be suspended because he doesn't like the way you operate, which is, that's your God-given right. That's your right as a dues-paying member to criticize the people that are supposed to be working for you if you feel like they are not working yeah. for you. And, and then they don't understand, like, a little bit of the street rules. They don't understand none of it. Like, when, when we was having our discussions on Facebook, they was calling me stupid, you don't know anything, this and that. So once you start attacking me, I don't care... If I, if I see your mother on the crutch and I find something funny, I'm going to talk about her just mm -hmm. to make you mad. You know That's what I'm right. saying? So I you know, did my little research, seeing his wife was helping, according to the Daily News, helping kids cheat on tests. Mm -hmm. There wasn't no rebuttal to it by the Daily News. So according to well, what I read, she's helping kids cheat on tests. That's it. You got mad at that? You get mad at that. That's that's what it is. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he decided to write my school, talking about, oh, we're not supposed to be bringing wife and kids. We ain't playing by no rules. I don't play by no rules. You know what I'm saying? But see, this is, this is what I'm saying about the membership should be upset because you, obviously you have too many people on staff. If they have, if this is what their time is spent on during working hours, there's too many people on staff. That, that, that payroll needs to be chopped. It needs to be cut because, again, money is going out the door tremendously. I, I mean, again, when you're talking about in 2000 when we got when we first came into office, John was included, and that's the thing that kills me. I, I love the way that they attack Roger. J.P. Patafio was a Roger supporter. Willie Rivera, Roger supporter. John Samuelson, Roger supporter. As a matter of fact, when Roger and I had our falling out, John Samuelson used to pass me by in the hallways and wouldn't even speak to me because he was afraid that Roger would see it on camera. <laughs> wow. Okay? Wow. So, so for, for you to sit up there and keep to everybody to keep talking about Roger, Roger, we all, just about all of us, and so many of the people that's up under Samuelson right now came in under Roger. So all of a sudden now he's the bad guy? Whether you like what he did or not, and one thing I could always say about Roger, if you challenged him, He's going to stand there and he's going to debate you on what it is that you're challenging him on. One thing I could say about Roger is that on staff under him, there was accountability. Mm -hmm. Okay? You had to call and say where you were. If you left one location to go to another location, you had to call to say where you were. If you didn't come into the union hall, and if you were at the union hall, Roger Toussaint would want to know, why are you in the union hall? Why aren't you out in the field yeah. doing what you're supposed to do? We didn't mail. The newspapers that are being mailed out now, we didn't mail them. We took them out ourselves. We took them to the locations ourselves. To, and that was, that was you know, his thing. Like I said, Roger and I had our problems, but I worked under Roger and I worked under John. You want to call Roger dictator and this, that, and the other. Was he stern? Was he strict? And, and did he want us to work for the members' money? Hell yeah, he did. And what's wrong with that? Hell yeah, he did. Right, what's wrong with that? And, then, and then from what I understand, the union, there were no lawsuits against the union during Roger's term as far as perb charges or any, all, that, all that crap because basically he had people working hard for the members as much as possible. Yeah, you, you had to work. I mean, there, like I said, there was accountability. There was a line that you had to call. If I remember the extension correctly, I think it was 2016. That was the extension that everybody had to call if he wasn't in the union hall, and there was always accountability. He wanted to know where you were at and what you were doing. When we would give a rally, uh, whenever you hear somebody say, is TA Surface in the house? Is RTO in the house? That's an attendance taker. Because if you don't hear a loud roar, 
coming from when they say is this department in house and you don't hear a loud roar that means that somebody in, in that in that union hall wasn't doing their job mm -hmm. in organizing the members and getting the membership out there mm, that's a good now ain't no such thing as mass uh membership meetings and and rallies now right no they're not i no. mean the, the when you have more people showing up for family day when you do than you do for a mass membership meeting that denotes a failure. I don't understand why he didn't use Family Day as a stage to at least set up to start organizing and mobilizing. That would have been the perfect stage. Right. But see, the problem is, is that we've become such a good time union. You know, it's all about partying. You know, it's all about uh, parades. Link and drink and, and, you know. and, and chicken and ribs. And, right. all that. And, and don't get me wrong. Those things are important, but they shouldn't be the cornerstone that our members, more members are showing up to these events than they are showing up to mass membership meetings. Yeah, that's it's sad, but it, it reflects the leadership. Exactly. It definitely does. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, um, at least there was accountability from the administration also because when it came to the sale of 80 West End Avenue, again, it was known, it was put out there that 80 West End Avenue was being sold. Right. Even though, you know, the figures or whatever and the lawyer's information wasn't put out there, but it was still there at your disposal. If you asked for it, then it would be presented to you the same way it was presented to Tremel and myself. Right. Okay. But again, these Gil Martin houses, nobody. I mean, <laughs> I knew he's going back to because that. I, I, I don't. Know, and I know it may seem redundant with me talking about it, but I want the membership to understand seventeen point two million dollars. Right. And but the membership has to understand that this is their money. This is their money. Meaning the membership money. It's not John Samerson's money. It's not. Uh, Earl John, Phillips. It's not their money. They they work for us, and that's something that has to be drilled into their heads. And and one of the things that I love is when y'all offered uh, the members copies of the contract, digital copies of the contract. It the, and the, the response, it, it was crazy. I, I ain't gonna lie. I thought it was gonna be about eight people, nine people. It's growing every day. The response, oh, really? wow. yes. The response that that came from that, and the amount of members, like you said, that are still asking for a copy. And then Angel Perez, another lapdog. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, go come in there. He's and gonna say, come and say that it's on the union website. Well, damn, dude, why didn't you say this from the get go? Why uh, Why does the members have to ask for something before you say, "Oh, it's available"? Mm -hmm. See, the the thing, and it was the same thing with the discipline manual, where we had a, uh, you know, uh, uh, another elitist. I told like, Harry about yeah, that. Another elitist. You know, what I'm saying I'm not gonna give him no attention, but he basically like, oh, it's on, uh, it's on tens or whatever the case is. Right. I tell you this. If I want to give you $100, I'm going to give it to you on your hand. If I got a, a, a room full of hay and I'll be like, the $100 is in here. It's in here. I'm telling you it's in here. I'm not right, lying. Right. But you got to go get it. Somebody go appreciate you giving it to them in their hand and you having them digging through links. And, and the membership is not even like savvy, computer savvy like that. I'm in these crew rooms and I'm like, yo, you doing anything on the computer? No, nah, I don't really like the computer. And, and things like that. You making it? I'm. It's not hitting, but it's hitting. Right. And 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 that's the thing where I keeps uh, you know going back to that clip from Samuelson when you're talking about organizing. Organizing is a, a well-informed member. That's organizing. A very well-informed member. A member that doesn't know, like workers' comp, is a big problem with with lack of knowledge with our membership. If they don't know. Um, what they supposed to do until after it happens, that's not good. That's not good at all because, again, that's why so many of our hearings and work is differential hearings because 
management is not telling members to sign a differential uh, portion of the workers' comp paperwork. So now that's another way for the, for the management to not give the members their differential. So mm. these are all things, and that's what I was talking to Jamel about uh, y'all doing a show on um, workers' comp, an entire show on workers' comp yeah, so we, members yeah. could have that information. Like, that'll be dope. That'll be dope. You know, and, and another thing I found, like, um, people been calling me lately, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, can you help me with this? Or this person need help with this? You know, can you call them for me? You know, and, I, and I've been doing it just because it's practice for me and it, it, it makes me learn new information. Like right. a dude called me today, had me on 3A. He was like, yo, can you help my friend transit deny him a job? So I said, okay, why did he get denied the job? Said a one in three rule. One in three rule, yeah. For new, for new hires. Right. Now, I thought that it was for only for promotion. Mm -mm. But the one in three rule, I went and found the, the 4.7.1 point C that you could get disqualified off the street. That's right. In the one and three rule. That's right. Yeah, that that blew my mind also. That's right. Yeah. Wow. But see, that's what I'm saying. These are these are things that we 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 should be providing with our members. It's it's like um, when the last time I was here, I talked about uh, giving classes on accident investigation. I got a lot of response for that, and I'm happy to tell people that I found a location in Brooklyn that we're probably going to start doing these classes and. In September. You should do an article and submit it to progressiveaction.info. We'll, we'll do. Because it's not only that. One of the things I want to do, too, is not only just uh, uh, accident investigation, uh, preventable accidents, um, contract interpretation, how to write grievances, okay? What's the difference between a contract grievance and a medical appeal grievance? These are all things that every member that is working with New York City Transit Authority should know. These are things that we're going to be teaching. I'm trying to find locations and uh, the other boroughs, so then that way uh, people can, um, you know, they don't have to travel all the way to Brooklyn. The other part of it is, too, is to eventually do these classes online. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm talking about, I'm, I'm not, this is not just geared towards bus operators, because I want somebody to, to be there teaching from every department, because there are some things that that's specific to every department, I mean, you know, to different departments, but then there's some things that, it's, you know, that can be encompassed of all departments. Well, I, I got an idea now that you say that, but we'll talk about it off the air. Right. I, I, got, a, I got a good idea where we can work on something. Okay, cool. And, and have a classroom set. Cool. Because we, it's, it's something that is needed because for those members that can't make it to the classroom, then they can sit at home on their computer and, 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 and open up these classes and learn these things. We, I mean, and the thing that kills me is they have that capability at 195 Montague Street. So it makes you wonder why aren't they doing it? The people the people who are supposed to be doing it is not interested. Why why would they wanna enlighten the membership? Then they won't really feel needed. Right. I mean, I was told today by a former eboard member that was during uh before they you know, during the time of them buying one ninety five Montague Street, that they were told that they were spending over a million dollars rewiring in that building. So the capability is there for it. So you can have, instead of you telling people to come to you, you have the capability to go into people's homes and teach them. We should be in every depot, every crew room, every barn, every locker room, anywhere that you can set up a whiteboard and teach. Because like I said, damn sure, we got a lot of people on staff that ain't doing crap. But you want to know what happens? When you mm. do that, <laughs> that put people to work. Yes. And, and not, not the members, but the elected officials to work because people doing grievances, 
well, they got to fight this grievance, and, and now they got to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Do they want to work, or do they, do they want to get free um, paychecks? But if you inform the member and you teach them the contract and you teach them the uh, uh, what what's good and what's not good, like I said, sometimes it's your job as a union to save the member from the membership from itself. Sometimes, and 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 right now, like I said, I don't see that happening. But you want to know another thing? Do the members want to save themselves from themselves? I think right now, I think because of this show and because of what you two brothers are doing, I think y'all are waking up that sleeping giant. I mean, it's, it's happening in steps, but it's happening. <laughs> and I, no, that's I, the key. It's I happening. definitely see it happening. But I, I get, see, I, I don't talk about a lot of stuff that I encounter behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I get, I won't say attacked, but the, a lot of membership is still asleep and they, new members and they don't get it. Right. They don't get it at all. Because the, the the article that you wrote today about pay. Oh, I, and, I, I, I didn't write that. Oh, you didn't? Okay. No, that, what I'm doing now is having regular members mm-hmm. put their feelings on paper, and they submit the articles to me, and I just put it out there. Yeah, that was a great article because, like they said, we, we're so busy worrying about our paycheck. So many people are at the point where they – if it's that, that overtime, they need that overtime in order to yeah, survive. To survive. There yeah. was a brother that that retired recently, and he had already had his numbers. His, he knew what he was going to make. He knew what he was going to get in his pension. This brother was still working overtime. Now his numbers were set already. You know they weren't going to change by the overtime that he was doing. But he was still killing himself working overtime. You're talking about a 12-hour run, and then you're doing four hours. Then you're working both your RDOs and stuff. And and that's what the problem is. And see, the MTA understands that, and that's why they're attacking overtime. They're, they're, and I think they're going to go after overtime big time. But let me ask this you contract. this. Without MTA, let stuff slide when they want to let it slide. Exactly. When you're in a pick, let's say the pick change, right? Some people working nine days straight. But it's cool to work nine days straight then, but you can't work nine days straight any other time. Any other time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And they'll they'll, they'll leave it, even though they put certain people on the cap, they'll turn around and they'll turn their back on the cap Mm -hmm. when they need that person to work. Yeah, needs a service. Oh, it's a snowstorm. Shuttles and and all that other stuff. Yeah, go work the... um, what they call that in, in RTO, sweeper trains or right. whatever the case is. Now, one of the things I hope that Samerson uh, does remind the MTA of, and that's the fact that we are literally a 24-hour, seven days a week employee. Yes, sir. Okay? We don't, it, it's not just the time that you want a job. What you do at home, if, if you can't even get a second job without the MTA, if you're in a safety-sensitive position, mm-hmm. you can't even get another job without the MP, MTA uh, permission. Yeah. So that you, you're, you're impeding on, on – this is a capitalistic society, so you're impeding on me making money. So now I can't even go get another job. i got to seek your permission. If you tell me no, then that means if you catch me working, you're going to fire yeah. me. So uh, that being said, if you happen to get arrested, okay, you have to alert them that you are arrested. And Why? Because then, they, if it's something that they deem conduct on becoming a transit worker, then they want to take you off the job. They mm-hmm. want to suspend you or whatever the case may be. So basically, even when you're not in uniform, you're still in uniform. Right. Oh, yeah. and, then my, and then my pet peeve with that, what you just said, is that um, even, if, you know, even if you are arrested and then no charges are filed by the DA, they'll still try to hit you with conduct on becoming and still try to fire you. Exactly. Meanwhile, meanwhile you, you didn't do anything. Or you may have been wrongfully profiled. Yeah. I remember the first time I did a hearing on that, 
And I didn't know at the time that that was a rule. And, and um, I'm sitting there, and, they, and I'm looking at management. I'm going, who in the hell in their right mind want to tell their boss that they got arrested? Who wants the boss to know? As a matter of fact, you do everything in your power not to let your job know that you got arrested. First mm-hmm. of all, why would I call you? You ain't sending no lawyer hey, representa- representative for me. You ain't even sending a representative when <laughs> I do something on the damn job. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, and I don't understand. And the conduct I'm becoming, they need to clarify what that is exactly. It's it's a broad view. It's and, too broad. Yeah, it's anything. Too broad. Exactly. You bre- like, didn't Nick Bedell tell us something about a, a transit worker got fired? conduct on becoming a falling asleep on a train something like that yeah i believe so like what what, what is conduct on become this could be conduct on becoming according to them exactly right exactly, <laughs> exactly. progressive action yeah <laughs> so i mean there's there's so much that needs to be changed there's so much that needs to be worked on um the grievance and discipline is out the window i mean these guys are coming up with new ways to to take money out of the membership pocket. It, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Now you want to put cameras on the buses, on bus operators to see if they're doing anything wrong. It's like you keep figuring out new ways to take money out of our pocket. Where's that money going to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and like you said about, you know, they putting, it's a cap on audios now. You got tier six. You They could deny your second job. This is their way of controlling us. Exactly. Because money is power. Money allows you to do certain things. That's why... When people, like especially black people, when they tell me, yo, we never down there marching. When, when, when um, Occupy Wall Street was going on, was a lot of white people. Why? Because these white people that was down there doing their thing, they getting funded by mommy and daddy exactly. who money is long. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I can't go down there. Why? Because my job don't want to hear that I'm going to support Occupy Wall Street. For one, and for two, I need that money. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the union itself was down there. But it, the problem with Occupy Wall Street is it lasts it lasts too long, and it, it just sleeping in that park wasn't getting the damn thing done. And then after a while, what they did, they started putting subversives in the park, and they started doing things to turn people off. Like they were peeing in the lobby, they were uh, becoming violent, they were uh, uh, putting uh, breaking windows and stuff like that. That's one thing that that the powers that be, when you are quietly demonstrating and they felt like that that quiet demonstration has last long enough they're going to find a way to disrupt that quiet demonstration yeah. and make it violent so they could turn the, the court of public opinion against you yeah 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 you're right let me ask you just to go off topic a little bit what you think about these police shootings i think it's horrible i mean uh <laughs> first of all you you have two brothers that that weren't uh they didn't have guns drawn one the brother in minnesota he actually told the cop that he had a gun and that he had a carry permit for it. And then the cop going to ask a brother for his license and registration. When he goes to reach for it, you're going to shoot him. Yeah. And then, I mean, I found that I found that very strange. That cop that cop may get in trouble because you pull him over for a bus to tell like he lets you know that he got a gun and you ask to see his hands. But the catch 22 is that you ask for his wallet. How can you see his hands? Well, most of the time, we don't ride with our wallets in our lap. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And, and the same thing happened, I don't know if y'all remember, I think it was last year in North Carolina. The cop asked the guy, um, go get your license and registration. He said, okay, I'm yeah, going to get it. Yeah, and he it. shot and him right, tore, right. I saw that. Tore I saw him that. up. Yeah, I saw that. 
tore him up. Shot him multiple times. I yeah, saw that. And right. that cop that cop went to jail, I believe. Yeah. I and think he got like 20 years or something crazy like that. Too many instances and in, in, you know of that happening where where uh black men are being shot by the police and and it's a shame. I mean, we're being pulled over. I I had to laugh one day. I'm in my car. I'm uh going to get some something to eat. So, I make a left turn on Broadway. I make a left turn. I forgot what street it was. The cop pulls me over, and I asked him, I said, what you pulled me over for? Now, I'm in full uniform. And he goes, well, you didn't yield to the guy that was coming. I said, I didn't yield to him. I said, do you know why I didn't yield to him? He said, no, why didn't you with an attitude? I said, because he waved me on, you freaking idiot. <laughs> okay, he waved me on. So you sitting around, and you pulling me over for what? What, what, what law did I break? Again, you're in a black neighborhood. You're, 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 you're fearful you're supposedly fearful, but then yet you you coming at people the wrong way, and it and it shouldn't be. That has to be. That has to stop. That you know, I'm in a car. I'm a black man. I'm 58 years old. Okay, what crime am I committing? I'm in the, I'm in a, a uniform. I'm in my uniform. So, but you just felt the need to pull me over, talking about I didn't yield to the guy coming forward. The, the guy didn't screech his tires. He didn't have to slam on his brakes because he came close to hitting me. So why are you pulling me over? The crime of being black. Exactly. While driving. Of course. And 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 this is reflective of the union also, man. And and the state of 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 we living in as far as the workforce. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why we get treated the way we get treated down here. This job isn't what it what it is. And like I tell people before with uh Quill, Quill was great. Why? Because he was representative of his people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Samuelson is not going to go down as great. You know what I'm saying? Roger will go down as great because he was representative of his people at that time. Now, you will have, oh, he came back too early or, or this and that. Listen, like he said, and, and, this, and this is how you fight. This is how war is. If you, if you get into a brawl and you just be like, look, I just want to punch him in his jaw, and I'm out of there. I'm running. Mm -hmm. I may do whatever. You ain't going to sit there and he bigger than you. MTA is bigger than the union. They got more money, more resources, mm -hmm. more anything. You go sit there and get beat down, possibly killed to stay in the war. You go get your little taps and get out. Right. But and see, the thing that kills me, Samuelson had the opportunity to be great. The opportunity is there for everybody. But when you put yourself before the membership, that's what killed you. That's what killed his possibility of being great. Um, I can tell pe people are going to sit up and say we're against the you. No, we're not against the union because if he does good and he brings back a good contract, that benefits us. What would be a good contract? Uh, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> what a question. What a question. That First of all, I think he needs to stop using the word, the word fair because fair is, 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 is a word that's used by interpretation. Your interpretation of fair, my interpretation of fair may be different. Of course, management's interpretation of fair and the union's interpretation oh, wow. of fair oh, yeah. is <laughs> different, okay? So, therefore, you should stop using that terminology of a fair raise, okay? In my opinion, every member, after a certain amount of years, should be making $100,000. Now, people may sit up there and think that that's an impossibility, but with the amount of money that the MTA wastes, it can be done. If management is making $100,000 and, and more, if the union is making the union reps are making a hundred thousand dollars and more we're the ones out there doing the work why shouldn't i get paid that kind of money i got a good suggestion for samson whatever the customers pay per ride 
that's what our raise should be per year. Mm-hmm. So if they pay two twenty five each year, we should have two twenty five in our contract per hour more during the, at least that. Why are we meeting demands less than with the like, feds? Exactly. And and again, I mean, if you look at this contract, this contract uh, at the end of this contract, your raise wouldn't even buy you a loaf of bread because the loaf of bread costs more than what you got in a raise. Mm-hmm. A gallon of milk costs you more than what you got in a raise. And, and the, uh, the, the sad fact of the matter is, is that he knows the membership. That's why when they first came out with this contract, the first thing that they started pushing was retro money because they know transit workers want that almighty dollar. Yeah. But, but see, the problem is, is that they need to understand you've been fooled by retro money before. Don't keep being fooled by retro. That's a one-shot deal. You need something that's, that's a longevity, something that's going to last you, something that you're going to be able to see in your paycheck every, every paycheck. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that we, like I said, the last time I was here, we spent so much time away from our family. Why can't I make $100,000 for an eight-hour job? Why is that asking too much? Why do we keep settling and devaluing our own worth? We, we as transit workers, we have to stop doing that. I'm having a conversation with a brother, and he's telling me, oh, well, so-and-so, so-and-so was only making X amount of dollars. And I had to tell this man, do you understand that you are skilled labor? You have a skill. Driving that bus is a skill. Operating that train is a skill. Skill. That's a skilled labor that we are not being paid anywhere near. The things that a cleaner has to go through is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, the rats, the, the, I mean, uh, uh, people accosting them, people assaulting them. Um, I don't give a damn what position it is. Okay, we should not have to kill ourselves and been spend so much time away from our family in order to make a decent living, and that's something that has to change. No, without without a doubt. Let me let me let let me let them hear this first. Okay, (laughs) that was good right there. Go ahead, Carl. And you know, another thing that needs to stop cease is pattern bargaining. Yes, because people they compare to you know again going back to the days of fifty years ago when Quill struck and led the union, you know, they did pattern bargaining, they compared themselves to sanitation. Why? Because we were ran by the city of New York back then. That's, right. who, that's who we were striking against, the Mayor Lindsay and the city of New York. That's right. But it's a different ball game because we're striking strictly, you know, well, excuse me, we're going up against the MTA now strictly. So basically, you, 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 we should not compare ourselves to FDNY um, the, the, the cops and, and, and teachers and um, sanitation and DC 37. We're not. We shouldn't because we're all. You know, we don't all do the same thing. That's right. We do the same thing with Metro North, Long Island Railroad, and uh, um, and any other transportation entity. So basically, if Long Island Railroad and Metro North both get 17% raises, damn it, we should get. A twenty percent raise, right? Why? Because we, because of productivity. That's we right. carry we carry more people. That's right. There you go, Cuz. You was over here dozing off a few minutes ago. You woke up now. <laughs> I, I mean, those are those are things that again we have to understand and we have to look at. And and people may think that I'm being unrealistic by saying that we should be making a hundred thousand dollars. I don't think that I am. No, I really, don't, I really don't think that I am. And, and, and like I said, yes, we should. You want to cut the overtime, cut the overtime, but pay me what you're supposed to be paying me for eight hour day. Right. Okay. You still getting over. You still get more. I mean, you look at <laughs> what they doing. They're turning around 
and they're keeping you out there longer. They're putting you where they need you, when they need you. My run that I just, the pick just started. Okay. I, I picked a run that reports at 7.38 a.m. It clears at 7.41 p.m. The run pays. Now, that's more than 12 hours, but the run pays 11 and some change. Oh, no. That's, okay. Yeah, see, so, the spread is basically 12 hours and three minutes. Right. Officially. Right. Okay. And how long is the swing? Uh, about about four hours. Four hours? Right. Okay, so basically you're paid for two. Right. Okay, so you're paid. Yeah, so basically, wow, okay. At least it's paid 11 hours. Right. I know a guy that told me uptown, he picked a run where the spread is 12 hours. And so nine hours, 10 and hours. It, exactly, but it only but the run only pays 50, 51 hours, which is basically nine hours and some change mm-hmm. on see, a daily see, basis. Now, that don't make no sense. No, it doesn't. So you're on a property for 12 hours and 11 minutes, but they ain't paying you for the whole time for the whole you're on time. a property. The, exactly. And see, some people don't want us to talk about these things because these are the things that the transit authority is talking about that they want to end. But my problem is this. Pay us the money that you should be paying us. Stop thinking that every time you give me a raise, I got to give you something in return for that raise. I have given you my blood. I have given you my sweat. I have given you my tears. Right. I mean, every time you turn around, you want to take money out of my pocket. You want to sit around and you want to charge people with chronic absenteeism and this, that, and the other. I have a chronic illness, okay? You gave me FMLA. Then when I take the time, you want to penalize me for taking the time, even though you can't because I have FMLA. But the problem is, is that why should I have to go through all of that, the rigors that you want to send me through? It's stressful. You, 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 you're threatening people. Well, if you don't come see me, uh, I'm going to take you out of service. And I mean, it, it's ridiculous what we go through as a working class. I've never seen a company that screws over its membership as much as this company does. And they, they, they sit in meetings and they come up with new ways to screw you over. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that this is what goes on with a workforce. And then you wonder why I'm not happy to come to work every damn day. Because not only do I have to face the public who, when you screw them over, I got to deal with their raft also. Because they don't see you. They don't see the manager sitting behind that desk, okay? You're telling us with this new um, bus tracking system that you want me to drive slower. But then when the buses are full and I have to leave people at that bus stop and I got to sit there and keep telling people I can't move this bus till you get behind the white line, um, I'm the one that's got to deal with that flack, not you. And you mean to tell me you don't think that I deserve $100,000 for that? Bull. I mean, there was a conductor, they were saying that some, a conductor uh, got some caustic something thrown in their face or something. Yeah, there was a bus operator last week that got hit in the face with a bottle. Because he told somebody to step behind the white line. Where's these partitions that's supposed to stop all of this from happening? Well, they said they got until January to put it in, right? Yeah, right. but most yeah. of the buses have them, though. Oh. I know most of them in East New York. I haven't seen a bus in East New York. And the, the guy that got hit with the bottle, that was out of East, East New York Depot. Okay? most I haven't seen a bus in East New York Depot without the partition. My thing is, how is it legal for them to pay you? You on the property but they could pay you less time than you being on the property. Right. How is that legal? Because the union agrees to it, because mm-hmm. of the different bingos and, and different agreements that the union has agreed to over the years. Yeah. That, that don't make no, it has to be like a New York state law or something that overrides that. It has to be, because that don't make no sense. Yeah. How you go hold me captive? I can't leave. I can't, I gotta be on the property. 
I, that would make no sense. Yeah. Right. And then it go and then it and then it goes back to when crazy things happen when you're on a swing when you because when you have a four hour swing the average person that picks those you know, that picks runs like that they go out they handle business they go to the gym mm-hmm. they go um you know they, they go to the cleaners they go uh, to get something to eat that's they legal? go you could do that or they, yeah no yeah. you don't have to stay on the property you can go out and 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 do things i mean i'm not sitting in the depot because first of all they got these benches with no backs to them so and then metal which is also bad for your spine of sitting there you know uh, 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 nothing is comfortable there i mean there's no 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 you know so your swing time is your lunch time right that's yeah. that's is it any why time because you know we got why no 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 i know what you're saying no there's no there's no watch time harry is the work is assigned where they sit around and they can have them do anything, even though they oh, have okay. to, they have their job. But no, right. no, no. In no. buses, when you pick a run, you're on that. You, that's your run. So whatever it does, as far as the trips, that's what you do. And your swing time is your swing time. You could do whatever you want on your swing time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, leave the property. Yes. They can't jump you ahead. None, none no, 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 none of that. No. As long as you back before your second half, you're good. So right. you would figure that somebody with um, seniority would pick that type of job. Yeah, Correct. most seniority people. Most seniority that's people do. Yeah. Get, get the jobs with the big swings or right. whatever the case is. Right. right. So why wouldn't you pay them? They earn that. They right. earn the time they pick that. Right. But see, that's what I'm saying. They're going after that. That's something the transit has been going after, uh, contract after contract after contract. Uh, you want to? You want? Like I said, pay us. Give. I mean, because most most bus operators. Are busting their behind trying to make that hit that hundred thousand dollar level. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what most of us are uh, working overtime trying to hit that level. Because again, uh, we've all seen the articles. You can't live in the city of New York off of our salary. And and people are sit up there and look at it. Oh, y'all are making you know thirty some odd dollars an hour. You know what are y'all crying about? Because that's still not enough to live in this it's still city. Still not enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still not enough Ex- to live. Exactly. You know the average mind hears those numbers and they think, oh, please, you good. I was, you know, I was just telling a family member the other, um, um, a couple of weeks ago. Does they think, oh, please, y'all get thirty seven dollars an hour? Y'all good? No, 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 no. You still, you still looking for that overtime in order to make ends meet. And if I mean, you got a family. I'm a single man. I'm single. So I mean, at one point, I was raising my children by myself. I have three sons, and I'm raising them by myself. I had to, like I said, I had to kill myself in overtime to support them. So meanwhile, I'm not spending the time, and these are growing boys, that I should be spending time with them. So it's like I barely had the time to spend with them that I should have been spending with them, but I couldn't because I'm sitting at, I'm sitting at work, working, trying to feed them and trying to clothe them. Right. See, and these are the stories that the MTA need to hear during these contract negotiations when they say, y'all don't deserve this. Y'all getting disciplined left and right. Y'all can't even do the job right. Yeah. And another, you know, and another thing that gets up under my skin, and, I, and again, it's another thing that's redundant with me is, how can you, on the MTA board, when first of all you were appointed by the governor, and anybody else that works for the MTA again, y'all don't own that. Right. This is not Lehman Brothers or the Koch Brothers or the or the Rothschilds or the. These are people that own these things. Okay, brand names. Right. So that's what I mean when I say you people are not a brand name. All you people, you people are appointed to your jobs. So how dare you tell me what I deserve 
when, like you say, Harry, you didn't bleed for, you didn't really bleed for this company. You didn't drive these, you know, this equipment and pick up the people, the population, and take them from point A to point B. You didn't, you know, work years and pay your dues in order to, in order to get Saturday, Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I mean, and work nights and everything. That's why I talked about night differential before. Right. That's right. Okay, but how can the hell can something like that been the, been the same for 36 for years? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, so that's what I mean by say, how dare you people tell us as the rank and file, the, the membership of this union, what we deserve? That's right. I mean, again, you cannot set my worth, especially when you when you, you when you're a millionaire yourself, because damn, everybody sitting on that MTA board is making money. So when you you get these appointments, and like I said, they get their um, they get their free. Uh, uh, easy pass. They get their police plaque. So you you all you're getting an extra benefit. Right. So that's what Samuels yeah. has got now. That's too. what he's gotten he's, too. Right. He's in the club now. Right. So you're getting that extra benefit. Okay. <laughs> we so, want everybody to know that exactly that I'm not getting now. At one point, um, as I was telling you yesterday, we used to have police plaques. Every matter of fact, Roger had them. Every union president had them. When uh, Walter came on, and then John and him were doing it back and forth. Walter stopped that. We actually used to get like four police plaques. He stopped it. I think that was a, I think that was a city thing though, because I had one. When no, I, it wasn't. It wasn't. See, that was what Samuelson was saying. He thought it was because Bloomberg at one point did uh, stop. No, that's what because we. I had one with the school. I right. had a, a plaque for the school to park anywhere. A word. Bloomberg shut it down. Yeah, he shut a lot of them down. Shut it down. But like I told John, we went to um, we went up to Harlem one day, and if you go on 126th Street by the state office building, damn near every car on 126th Street that's parked there has police plaques. So I said, well, who did he shut it down for? But I think it was it was Walder who stopped uh, local 100 from getting because there was a lot of pressure that was put on to get uh, Samuelson to open up their contract. There was a lot of pressure that was put on him to get him to open up their contract. And because he didn't, that's another thing that led, that did lead to the layoffs because he wouldn't open up the contract to uh, give back the money that Roger had won mm-hmm. in the contract. You know, that was one of the, the pressures that Walder was trying to get him to do. Unbelievable. Really unbelievable, you know. Um, you know, like I said before, um, so basically people need, our membership, really needs to understand what their worth is coming back and forth every day because, listen, you know, those trains that we work on in RTO and, and the different departments, it's not Thomas and Friends, you know. Right. It's real. You know, like right. I said, you could die down there on the tracks, you know. Yeah. For, for a train operator and a conductor that if somebody decides that they want to end their life death by train, that they have to go underneath that train and see that. I mean, you, that's, a, that's a sight that you will never get out of your head. You, I mean, not, not even that. It disrupts our life. Right, exactly. We got to go to the Mac. Yeah. How do you function <laughs> after something like that? I mean, you know, it, 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 you, I mean, again, every time you're going down that track and you're pulling into a station, you jumpy. you you worried if, you know, somebody else is going to do that, you know, do that same thing. You got people to stand too close to the platform and, you know, then their head get hit by the train. I, I always said when I, when I see people standing in the street or, or they, they leaning over the, um, over the uh, the platform to, to see if the train is coming. Okay, we got six senses. So if you don't see it, you could hear it, okay? So there's no need to lean over the platform and then you, you know, then the whole thing, everybody wants to be the first one on a bus 
when it pulls up. Everybody wants to be the first one on that train when it pulls up because there's not enough service out there on any entity, on either one of those entities. So people want to get on it because they got to get to work. So everybody's pushing, everybody's shoving, everybody wants to be in the front. Mm -hmm. They jockeying for a position and so on and so forth. So before you know it, either somebody is hit by the mirror or the bus or either their head is hit by the train or either somebody's pushed on the tracks or somebody is you know jumps on the well, tracks. It's going to get worse in the subways because like you said, you got six senses. Two of them is gone. Right. They look in the wrong way, and they on they 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 phone conversations because exactly. of the Wi-Fi exactly. downstairs now. So, you know, nobody ain't paying attention. Right. Nobody like I. It, what kills me is that it'd be a service service um, interruption or whatever the case may be. I make my announcement. Who always come ask me what I said? What's going on? The people with the that the, wasn't paying attention with the earphones in the air. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh -huh. it's like, why do I? It's it's. The, the train holds thousands of people. So about everybody, you look through your cab, everybody like this looking down at their right, phone. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I got to say the announcement again for each, every single person. I'm going to give you a perfect example of how this agency doesn't protect its employees. There's a map that they uh, have up in East New York Depot that's depicting uh, bikes and bus collisions. Now, it's a three-year period. Each year the collisions are increasing. So if you see that each year the numbers are increasing, why would you add more bike routes to bus routes? It makes no sense. They're getting ready to put a bike route, uh, a, a bike lane on, um, I think it's Sterling, on a B45 on Sterling between uh, Bedford and Washington Avenue. Now that's a very narrow street to begin with. A bus is 10 feet wide. The bus lane that you're supposed to be operating on is not even 10 feet wide. Wow. On Smith Street, or where the 65 and the 57 comes on, you got bike lanes on each side. If you're traveling down that lane, uh, down that street on Smith Street in downtown Brooklyn, the, it, the, because you got bike lanes on both sides, it's not even wide enough for the bike, the, the bus to operate. So you're talking about the bus is actually operating in the bus lane. So you keep putting these hazards out in our way. And what do you tell us? Be careful. Well, Scan your mirrors every well, three to five seconds. Where's Tommy McNally when you need him? Yeah, safety. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then, and then you know, where are these people when they get these buses? And just like we were talking about the other day, Harry, with the blind spots. Right. You got more on these new buses. It's like all, all that, you know, who, who goes to test out these buses? Because that's, right. that's all it is. It's just blind spots I'm hearing about. The Nova buses that they have out now, which are the Arctics, and plus we have some with the new 8000s that they just bought. Those buses have more blind spots than anything. As a matter of fact, the mirror on those buses stick out further than the normal bus, than the regular, than the, the Orions and the RTSs. The mirror sticks out further. So you're actually adding to the blind spots. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out when they was doing the, uh, the, the showing of the new Wi-Fi buses, why was our Secretary of Treasurer there skinning and grinning? Uh, you're talking about buses that, that, that you're so happy to be there in front of the governor that you, are, you, you haven't checked out are there any blind spots on these buses? That perfect they have? time to point it out. Right, right. Perfect time to point it out. Right, but he didn't. He's standing there, uh, like I said, just smiling from ear to ear. It was like a child sitting in front of a major star or something, and you was just so happy to be in that person's presence. But that's what it be. They they hear about these. They heard he heard about his father, 
um you know they see these guys on tv and then when you see them in real life it's like oh my god that's the governor right you know what i'm saying right. and you fall in line the slave that you are and just be happy to be in presence of people who you normally wouldn't be you know in the presence of and it's crazy because if i was you know um who, who was the name earl you know what i mean yo governor why we only get 25 cent to drive this long bus right <laughs> 25 right. cent and, to and, drive that extra long that bus that bus is cutting runs that's right it's taking away jobs so you saving salary you saving the pension you saving all this overtime money or whatever the case is and you reward the membership with 25, 25 cents cent. who was exactly. responsible for that exactly who did that I, I think that came in under either Damaso Seda or Willie James, one or the other. I can't remember which one. Arctic Bus has been around that long? Yeah, I yeah. think I, I think it might have been, Dem even though it's before my time, but I think it might have been Damaso because Arctic Buses started out up in the Bronx. Right. So they've been up in the Bronx since the early 90s, 93, 94, mm -hmm. something like that. So let me ask right. you a question. That the, the Arctic Buses, the 25 cent was negotiated before or around the time of night differential? Oh no, that was negotiated way after the yeah. night, night differential. Yeah, right night, after? Yeah. yeah. Uh, remember, night differential, though it hasn't been touched since oh, 1980. 30, yeah, 30 some years. You 30 said. some years, yeah. So, so why, that, why wasn't that revisited? It, it, during my time as a division chair, when we approached management on that subject matter, they, all, again, every time that you want something, they want something in return in order to increase it. And that's what I'm saying. And that's why I keep saying we have to get some leverage because we have no leverage. The whole system is geared towards them. The governor appoints, um, uh, the, governor appoints the MTA chair. The governor appoints the people on PERB. So if, if an impasse is declared in PERB, you've got to go see two people that the governor, I think the governor uh, um recognizes two people and I think the mayor has one person on that board. So you, you, you're already behind the eight ball. And then once you, uh, an impasse is declared, it's Perb who decides who's the arbitrator is going to be. Wow. Okay? So where's your win at when, when, you, when you're in that situation? There's no level playing ground. So the only thing left for you to do is to talk about a strike or to strike. So when you get to that point and then not a, when you start talking about a strike, the first thing they want to do, they want to go to court to get a judge who, again, was appointed by somebody to say, well, we need an injunction so they can't even mention the word strike. <laughs> Out of curiosity, how many wheels is on the Arctic bus? Uh, two. How many altogether? Yeah. Um, let me see. There's, there's dual wheels on the very back. Back, right. And then in the, in the middle. Middle, right. And then in the, in the front. In the front. Right. So I would say, let me see, two two four six eight ten twelve four fourteen yeah i think something like that 14 14 wheels 14 wheels couple of wheels short of an 18 wheeler mm -hmm. but definitely underpaid yeah I mean, no, it's almost the same responsibility you drive that's a huge vehicle you driving and again remember those buses are the nova buses which with with which has blind spots on them uh uh again uh, there was so much talk about what they were going to do. No left turns and this, that, and the other. Everything has ceased when you're talking about uh, uh, making it easy us for us to, 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 you know, to have less accidents. One of the things that nobody takes into consideration, as long as you have a density of population the way that we have in New York, it's going to happen. As a matter of fact, if you look at what the authority and what the Department of Transportation is doing now, they're actually literally taking the word accident 
out of this, and they're starting to call them collisions. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, because, see, the word accident denotes that, you know, there was a possibility it was an accident you didn't mean to do it and so on and so forth. When you start calling it collisions and crashes, okay, now you're changing to say, well, again, with the, the – um, Vision zero, your choices behind the wheels matter. But the problem is, with us as bus operators, we don't have any choices. Whatever hazards that you put out there in front of us, we have to drive those hazards. You, you have streets that are literally high accident areas for buses. So instead of removing the bus from that location, you tell operators to be careful. No, remove the bus from that area. There's ways that you can, you can uh, minimize a lot of the accidents is out there, but you're not doing those things. Mm -hmm. You're not doing that. No, they're not. Yeah, that's that's. I I, I don't understand how the MTA works sometimes, and and, and you know you would think that they would want to work with us, right? But it seemed like they try to entrap us, or y'all go do what we say, and we don't care because they're not losing their job, right? And that's just it. When you sit up there and you you're putting all these obstacles and these hazards in our way. You're giving us equipment that, that you can't see properly, that you have to sit there in the seat and do a dance literally. You gotta lean forward, you gotta lean back, you gotta check your mirrors every three to five seconds. You have to uh, look at the curb, you have to look ahead to see to make sure that nobody's stepping out in front of your way. You gotta literally look between parked cars and parked trucks. I mean, if there's a truck parked, you actually should be looking underneath that truck to see if you see any feet that's about to cross. <laughs> so how am I supposed to, as a human being, have my eyes in all of these directions? Before I lean, before I pull out of a bus stop, I need to lean into my mirror so I can get a view to make sure nobody's crossing. One of the things that they can do is this. Uh, I went to the MTA some years ago, and I got them to agree to joint legislation to do a yield to bus law that they have in Jersey. Now, that's something that needs to be implemented now because, again, because of the population, uh, as soon as your flashes go on to pull out of that bus stop, you can see the car. It could be two blocks back. You could watch the front of that car raise up because they're stepping on that gas because nobody wants to be behind the wheel of a bus. So my thing is that why not implement it? Why not try to get implemented a yield to bus law here in New York? No one carries more. You have school buses that you have to stop for. Why aren't you doing that for city city buses? Nobody carries more children than we do. No one. City, because I can answer that for them. They on a schedule. They mm -hmm. only care about the movement of their their buses. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, because it's the it's the same old same old procedure, Harry. The way when you go into a bus stop, you put your put your right signal on, you go in, and when you get ready to come out, put your left signal on and come out. You know, right. it's the same, and it, it's been that way forever. You right. know, but it's time to change that because again, there's there's more hazards out there than it was 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So why not give us the tools to operate safely? I mean, you keep talking about schedule, schedule, schedule. You, I don't give a damn. You could do SBS, you could do limited service. If you do not control the traffic, it doesn't matter the buses are still going to be late mm -hmm. they still will be late because you're not controlling traffic every time i have to cross the double yellow line to go around the double park car you have i i i am literally increasing my chances of having an accident i'm increasing my chances of having an accident because i got to go into oncoming traffic and then i'm increasing my chances because i got to go now go back into my lane mm -hmm. so that car that i'm going around if he decides that he wants to take off while i'm trying to pull back over 
that's increasing my chances of having an accident. So why not have better enforcement to make sure that you remove these double parked cars off of the bus routes? There's so much more that the MTA and the Department of Transportation can do to make this job better and easier and safer for us that neither one, neither entity is doing. Well, what, whatever happened with them, um, with the cameras in front of the bus ticking in cars, that's in these lanes. Yeah, well, first of all, you got to push a damn button in order to take that picture. And who's to say if and when somebody's going to get around to checking that disc to see what's on that disc? Mm. That's interesting. Very interesting, you know? Yeah, so um, even even we was talking about a few days ago, transit, they don't teach you enough, or the union, they don't teach you enough on how to keep the job. Right. They only teach you enough how to operate the equipment at the bare minimum just to keep their service flowing. Right. And they don't even do a good job of that because, again, you can check with any bus operator. Jamel, when you get to work, and Jamel, when you see a bus operator, ask him what a preventable accident is. You'll be lucky if you can find one bus operator that can tell you that, what a preventable accident but is. Why don't you tell a, uh, tell him what a preventable accident a pre- is? A preventable accident is that an operator do with everything that they can within reason to prevent an accident. Now, the problem with that, that line is, as a matter of fact, it's in the um, – has, hold, give me a second, and I'll tell you exactly. It's in this book, the uh, National Safety Council, a Guide to Determine Vehicle, Motor Vehicle Accident Preventability. Maybe we should have Tommy McNally call in. This is it. Isn't this his specialty? <laughs> yeah. Safety is his specialty. Oh, yeah. Okay. It should be, but where is it? But basically, that's what it is. It tells you that as long as an operator did everything that they can within reason, and the the problem with that is is that the transit authority has taken that word reasonable Mm -hmm. out of the equation. A preventable accident is one in which the driver failed to do everything that's reasonably could could have done to avoid the accident. Reasonably, okay? What book is that you're reading from? This is from the... um, the Guide to Determine Motor Vehicle Accident Preventability from the National Safety Council. Okay. Okay. Um, first of all, like I said, MTA, whose job it is to tell people what a preventable accident is, they don't. They don't tell them. When uh, a dispatcher comes out, and I'm give you a scenario. Um, I'm traveling through the intersection. Car runs a red light. I have the green. The car runs a red light. Hit the bus. Dispatcher comes out and says, tells me what happened. He doesn't say, tell me what you did. He or she doesn't say, tell me what you did to prevent this accident. They say, tell me what happened. Now, if I don't know that I'm supposed to tell them what I did to prevent the accident, I'm going to say just that. Car ran a red light, uh, hit the bus, and that's what happened. Now, what I should have said was, I was driving the bus, scanning my mirrors, scanning the intersection. I saw the car. I applied my brakes, okay, and the car hit the bus. Now, when they ask you, they ask you to put that in writing too, right? Right. Put that the to and fro. So you put that on the to and fro. That's what y'all call it. Not even there, right? tour, it's an accident report. Accident report. Mm-hmm, y'all right. put that on there, and nothing on there describes of you preventing the accident. Right. So you just writing down whatever happened. Right. And you get days in this. You end up getting punished behind yeah, that, right? Because you now you now got yourself a, a preventable accident because you did not know what a preventable accident was. When I came back. When I resigned from the union in 2012 and I came back to uh, driving, they sent me up to the schoolroom for five days. For five full days, no one 
spoke about a preventable accident. I just had my 19 re, 19A recertification class in May for my birthday uh, at, at Spring Creek Depot, which is the only depot with part-time bus operators. <laughs> uh, no one spoke about a preventable accident, what a preventable accident is, and uh, what you should write and how to fill out an accident report, and so on and so forth. The union itself is not doing that, and that's one of the reasons why I said I'm going to put together these classes so we can teach our members what they should be writing and what they should be saying. I had three accidents this year, and because of uh, what I said and what I wrote and because I know what to say and what to write, all of them was found non-preventable. Now... Um, is it possible that regular members could have access to the union hall since we are, um, as far as like the used rooms, if they not occupied? Should be. Should be. Who could tell us no? Th- that would have to go through Samuelson's office. He's the only one that could say no. And if he tell us no, would he have to give us a reason why? Yes. We need to look into that. Maybe we start have Progressive Action Radio remotely up there. One time a month, something yeah. like that. Yeah, or maybe we could just go up there and just use the computers. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, just use the Wi-Fi if we're out the street, you know? <laughs> or go Charge our phone, right? Exactly. Is, yeah, it open, is, is it open 20, like, do it close, the Union Hall? Yeah, it's closed. There's no one there 24-7. Yeah, but basically that's what we can go up in there and do, you know, sit in the air condition, uh, you know, you use the computers, uh, you know, maybe talk, you know, maybe, maybe rap with Nick for a little while, you know? Yeah. And, uh... That's about it, you know? Yeah, because Nick, Nick actually, I had gotten, I get into discussions with Nick like at least once a week now. Mm-hmm. And the, um, the rally they had a year after Sandy. Right. So um, he said that it was 6,500 people there. I actually found out, I went to the, I, I you know, did some research, and the international website said it was 4,500, right? Right. But I told him, I said, look, it, it was less than 5,000 people there. No, it wasn't. How you tell me? I organized everything. I, I set up the barricades. I, I, I got all the signatures. I said, Nick, let's not discuss signatures with this administration. Right. So you, ain't, <laughs> you ain't count 6,500 signatures, first of all. You know what I'm saying? Second of all, only thing I see is, ah, 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 ah. What did Samuelson do? Right. What did right. he do? You know what I'm saying? I believe in Nick Bedell abilities. But what did the president who we voted in what has he done? You First know? of all, uh, you have you have an organizing department there. Or you had an organizing department there. Two people have been let go, um, so he can fill jobs that he promised people for the, you know for supporting him during his campaign. Um, you had people. Uh, he didn't go out there and get the permit for the protest. So if he's, you know, he didn't do that. He had nothing to do with setting up the parricades. Somebody else did that. So for him to sit up there and talk about that he did this and he did that, he's lying. I mean, he's a flat-out liar. I he mean, said, I know how many shirts. I know how many hats and, and all this other stuff. My thing was this. He called me a liar for saying that it was less than 5,000. So are you calling the international Union a liar for right. saying that it was right. forty five hundred. But, but but see that's the problem too. I mean you, you, you I'm a dues paying member. For you to sit up there and disrespect me for like that, and like I said, you don't even work for the MTA. You work for me. So for you to disrespect me, and that's one of the problems that I have with these cats that's up there right now. They're very disrespectful to the membership because I don't agree with you. But, I don't have to agree with you. Well, I say this about Nick Bedell. Nick Bedell, he isn't too. I wouldn't say he's disrespectful. Willie Rivera, Tommy McNally, uh, what's this 
Stephen Chan, Markeith Wolford, mm-hmm. those guys is very disrespectful. Very, very, very disrespectful. Like, I could hit Nick Bedell, and we have regular conversation on email about classes that, you know, um, I, 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 for some reason, didn't get the second part of the uh, Shop Steward class. Right. I didn't get the email. So I hit Nick Bedell. I said, look, you know that I wanted to go to that class. Did you purposely leave me out because I didn't get the email? No, I, I, why, I don't got time to leave you out. And what's your email? I sent him my email. Oh, you, oh, your handwriting must be not too good because you misspelled the letter. I said, okay, I'm going to let you go with that one. Right? How did they contact you the first time you took the class? Through email. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right or wrong? Yeah, okay, through email. So, so, I just thought I'd put yeah, that out there. So, so <laughs> I said, what you ain't, why you ain't want me there? Oh, you would come. We got class. Next. No, 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 no. I want to. I complained because I felt that I was lacking something. So, did you teach useful information the first class that I didn't get for this whole second course to even be going on? Mm-hmm. Why are you gonna invite me? And it's only three classes. Right. So you invite me to the second and third. No, I want to know what happened the first class too. So next time you do this class, we go get it right. Cause I probably don't even need it now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm learning this stuff on my own That's right. through qualified people, where you ain't gonna be able to BS me and 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 say, oh, you're not supposed to do it like this. And, I, and I'm not saying I didn't learn from Nick Bedell, but what I'm saying is that the course could have been more intense. It should have been more intense, and that was one of the things that I said, that it should be more than a month to give somebody a certificate. I think I think it was more than a month. How long was the class? Um, six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Okay, yeah, I, I think, more, I think it should, more than a month. I think it should have been, <laughs> I think it should have been personally eight weeks possibly 12 weeks right. I, to put real sh- soldiers in the field. Right. I always said that it should be a minimum of, of, of six months because during that time period, there's other things that you need to be doing that, like I said, if there is a rally, if there is an event, then part of the thing that you should be charged with is bringing a member, bringing two members. Yeah. Because, again, if you can sit up there and organize, and that's part of organizing, if you start bringing people in and then you start getting them to bring people in, that's part of organizing. Yeah. So to sit up there and that's not part of the equ- requirement i don't get it i don't get why why that's not part of the requirement do you feel shop stewards should get paid i don't think the union could afford to pay them <laughs> they can't afford it first of all if you look at how, what they said is like supposed to be 300 shop stewards or something like that oh i don't know well yeah. if, well if samuelson could i think he would pay some of them yeah but the problem is again if if lose the shop steward title in my opinion and just teach all of your members I agree. I <laughs> Lose agree. that title of shop steward and just pay all of your members. I, I mean, just and, and, and educate all of your members. That's what should happen. I mean, because, again, if, if, you, if you educate everyone, then that's going to prevent a lot of things from transpiring from the get-go. I, I, uh, you know why I agree with that? We should lose the shop steward title is because in conventional union settings, shop stewards are voted in. Right. We not voted. It's just like you got time. Come to the class. Come to four classes. We ain't gonna keep you long. It's not that serious. We go give you the certificate. You put it on your wall, and you think that you know things. That's you know right. what I'm saying? That's right. And like I said <clears throat> earlier, you know, uh, people may think that we we want them to fail. We want the union to fail. No, because if the union fails, we fail. Okay. Exactly. People, and and that's something that those knuckleheads up there need to understand. Yeah, exactly. We we we're pulling your coattail. This is a way of pulling your coattail. This is the way. Of, 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 of straightening out things that are wrong and things that we deem wrong. Instead of, like I said, you're arguing with us, straighten them the hell out. Stop arguing and stop fighting with me. Yeah, exactly. And, w- and what's crazy is that they think that 
me and Jamel is like outcasts and we that's we the only ones who think in the way that we thinking. Mm-hmm. They need to pay attention and come actually come inside the group to see that it's more of us than what they think that's thinking like this. When they when we throw that surprise party, they go see. But even the members who we didn't reach yet, they think in the same way too. Right, right. And that's what I said, people don't understand what's available to them. Uh, progressive action is alerting people to what's uh, what's uh, available to them. Progressive action is letting them know that you have the right. Progressive action is letting them know that the union is supposed to work for you and you should not fear your union rep. And when a union rep is trying to intimidate you, then you should slap the hell out of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Plain and simple. I mean, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just the point of that the only way to get this union stronger is to educate its members, is educate the members, let them know what's going on, uh, give them the tools that they need to operate down the road so they don't fear management. It's like you were saying with the brother from ATU that uh, felt like that management, uh, some supervisor told him that if he filed, if he goes out on, on, on a workers' comp again, he could lose his job. Yeah. Okay. Now, if he was educated on the ins and outs of workers' comp, then that's something that he, you know, he would have known better and he would have did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, and, you know, he came back from, from out of fear. He got spit on. Right. He got spit on a month ago, and his first day back, he get into an accident. Right, and, and that's what it is. People are afraid because they don't know. You know, you don't want to – nobody wants to lose this job. I mean, you don't want to jeopardize it, and you're afraid that if you do the wrong thing, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to wind up losing your job. So take that fear and that worry away from the membership by educating them and letting them know what it is that they're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's reflective of the um, black community too. Right, exactly. We, we, we not educated, so we don't know what's going on. Just like I know I educated myself to for cop pull me over, don't give me no ticket and let me go. I know I got a lawsuit every time he do that. Right, right. Every time, because I educated myself, I went through it and I won, and I'm proof that it works. I'm gonna give you an example. Uh, Years ago, uh, my brother and I, we had a a van business that we had. And at the time he was still working for Citibank over on 42nd Street and Madison Avenue. So what I would do, I would go and pick him up at night. I would, you know, take care of the business during the day and I would go pick him up at night. So we're sitting outside waiting. As a matter of fact, I had uh, another friend of mine sitting in the van with me. Then two of my other partners was in their car and they followed me because they didn't have anything to do. So we're sitting there and we're waiting for my brother to go upstairs. Now I would go to the pay phone because we didn't have cell phones at that time. <laughs> I would go to the pay phone and I would call my brother and tell him that we're upstairs and we're waiting for him. So he's taking a long time. Now I can see, you know, some of us, we've been around long enough, we could tell a cop a mile away. So first, one cop walked by. I see him. So what I did, I turned my head. I'm literally effing with him. I turned my head. Then a couple a, cop, a male and a female cop walked by like they were a couple and did the same thing again, kept doing it. So my brother's still taking a long time. I go to the pay phone again. I call him again. Now, finally, my brother comes upstairs. He gets in the van. We take off. My friend takes off behind us. We come around. We're going down 42nd Street to head to the FDR Drive and come back to Brooklyn. My friend get caught by the light. So I pull over to um, wait for him. As we're sitting there waiting, cars came from everywhere. 
cops and cabs and 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 marked cars and unmarked cars. They cutting us off. They jumping out with their guns drawn. So my brother immediately looked at me. He said, "What the fuck did you do now?" So you know, I didn't say anything. So and you know, we we they told us to get out of the van. So everything happened. Frank came across. There were some cops following him. He comes across. They tell him. They pull him over. Tell him to get out the van. This is what the cops thought. They thought that we that I was robbing the bank. That I was going into the bank, getting the money, giving it to my friends. They would take off and they would go and stash the money. And I told the cops, I said, there was only one problem with, with your theory. They said, what? I said, I never went inside the bank. <laughs> I went to the payphone. What y'all saw, y'all saw black males on 42nd Street and Madison Avenue at nighttime. That was the problem. I mean, because instead of telling me some stupid ass story that you thought I was robbing the bank when I never went inside the bank. Never, I didn't even have an ATM card at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so to sit up there and, 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 and have all of that, and, and I can't even tell you how many cars it was that, that pulled in front of us and cut us off because it was four black males that was on Madison Avenue and 42nd Street at nighttime. Yeah, I, I can imagine, man. But like you said, as far as educating the members, that's what progressive action is doing. And, you know, progressive action is not me and Jamel. It's everybody who's involved right. in, in the move. Like you said, revolution. It's a revolution. Yeah, it's not uh, a movement. Yeah, yeah. I hate that term. <laughs> I hate that term, uh, movement, because movement gets to a point, then it stops. stops yeah. And that's the problem why we can't get anything done, because we get to a point and we stop. Yeah, because, you know, I learn a lot from, from all the guests. I learn a lot from, you know, the people who post. And, and and it's just, it's, I just love the information that I get because I'm going to be here for 25 years. Exactly. I don't want to wake up my 20th year and, and it's too late by then. And that's why it's important that we educate our members. And I keep saying, I know people are tired of hearing me say that, but you can never say it enough until it's done. Because people, you, like you said, you're going to be here 25 years. We got members just coming on a job. We got members who are stuck under that uh, five years of top pay, tier six, and so Allegedly. on and so forth. Right. Allegedly, <laughs> five years, right. So how do, you, how, do, how do you expect them to fight against this if they don't understand what it is that they're fighting against? I mean, that's true. And the thing is that do they even care? Some right. of them are just happy just to have the MTA on their shirt. Exactly. And that's, that's the fight I'm dealing with with, with some of them now. Right. They're just happy to have on a uniform. They don't care about nothing else. You know, and they be like, oh, we, you know, we like to party and stuff because, you know, we be stressed. And, you know, I got to explain to them that your personal, your, your job life provide for your personal life. That's right. If you don't take care of the job, your personal life not going to be taken care of. That's right. You know what I'm saying? But when you're talking with people who, you know, never probably really achieved anything in life or, or don't really know what, what life really is, it's hard to convince them. That's you, right. You know what I'm saying? So leave the people with something, something nice tonight. We're going to sum it up right now. I want you to leave the people with something. Get them, get them a word. Yeah, we, we, again, we have to stop falling for, and, and letting people set our worth. We have to stop letting the union uh, set our worth. We have to stop letting management set our worth. Um, the future belongs to the people that prepare for it today, as Malcolm X said, and that's 100% truth. We have to start, we have to believe that we deserve what's due us. Um, like I said, with the, with the work that we that we put out there, the amount of work, the blood, the sweat, the tears that we put out there, um, you can't put a price on that. I mean, if I don't, it, that's why you got to tell the law because if I don't come to work, the city gets shut down. 
Okay? So therefore, pay me for that. Exactly. Pay me for that. There you go. Look, what I need y'all to do, I need y'all to pay more attention to progressiveaction.info. We doing very well. We actually beating the union website probably like by 100,000 websites right now. You know what I mean? So progressiveaction.info. Harry Wills, I need you to um, submit some articles. You have a lot of information. You got this. I like the uh, safety thing. Mm -hmm. Make a little article out of that. Yeah, we'll do. We'll send, do. Send that in. Um, Instagram, Progressive Action. Uh, Twitter, Progressive Act. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, progressiveaction100 at gmail.com. I would like to thank Harry Wills for coming through again. Harry Wills could come up here whenever he wants. He always has valuable information. And, you know, if you see him out in the field, y'all tell him hello, ask him questions. I'm quite sure he will answer. Um, you know, and that's, 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 that's what's so important. You got people, it's, it's, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and people is here willing to give information. You know what I'm saying? The union is not answering the phone. They sending you the RCC two o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying you running down the list we here two o'clock in the morning providing this valuable information we don't need y'all to just let it blow in the wind listen to a show read an article um tell people about us let's spread the word it's a contract year we've started mobilizing already we just waiting for the union to get on board we not against the union we want the union to ride and actually listen to the members and get them to understand like harry said we do not work for y'all. Y'all work for us. We shareholders in this. We pay their salaries. We can't let them escape. We can't let them slide. We can't let them get away with murder. Well, that's today's show. I'm happy for y'all to tune in. I'm happy to be on this radio. And y'all take care of yourself. Peace. Thank you, brothers.